Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's CERT weekly check-in. My name is Andrew Trueblood, and I am the director of DC's Office of Planning. Um, and thank you uh, for joining us today. Uh, we're here because on April 23rd, uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser submitted her update of the district's comprehensive uh, plan proposal to the District of Columbia Council. The adoption of this comp plan is, uh, in a responsible and timely manner, is critical because it will help guide uh, the district's budget and address the acute needs that we have, including things like equity, infrastructure, and housing. It's especially pressing given the issues of project delays that we've seen through litigation that are made possible by the current outdated old uh, policies. The mayor has stated that an updated comprehensive plan is even more critical now, given the current disruption that the COVID-19 pandemic is causing for the district's residents and businesses. As we move from response to reopening and recovery, this comp plan will serve as an essential guide to ensure the district not only recovers, but emerges more in line with our values, stronger, healthier, safer, more resilient, and more equitable than ever. The Council's timely consideration and passage of this bill is critical in 2020. Today, I am joined by Deputy Director Anita Kozart from the Office of Planning, as well as Colleen Hawkinson, uh, who leads the uh, DuPont Circle Business Improvement District, and Mustafa Abdul Salam, who is a community leader in Ward 8 and an ANC member uh, representing ANC uh, 8C05. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to give a brief uh, overview of the comprehensive plan uh, and, and then turn it over to um, Anita to talk a little bit more about how it relates to businesses and recovery. And, and then uh, Colleen and Mustafa will have a chance to talk about how it intersects with, with their work. It's really critical. Um, we have found it's critical. The comprehensive plan is so large uh, and, and, and it touches so many parts of the district that we really want to make sure that everybody understands how it touches and connects to their uh, daily lives or their work lives. Uh, the comprehensive plan uh, that we have in the District of Columbia is required by the Home Rule Act. Um, and the current plan uh, was a vision that was created in 2004 um, and a plan that was passed in 2006 uh, with a small amendment in 2011. Uh, what I can say is uh, when we started this process in 2015, uh, the context of 2004 and 2006 were a very different city. Uh, the city was really just emerging uh, from some of uh, from the financial control board. Uh, data about its growth uh, maybe had just started, if at all, um, but it was a very uh, different context for the district. Uh, and we found uh, when we started this process in 2015-2016, it was critical to update. But I would say, uh, especially given um, the COVID-19. Uh, pandemic as well as uh, the uh, First Amendment uh, uh, protests that we've seen, it's even more critical to update it in line with today's values. Um, so uh, I, what, what's critical, uh, well, so I'll, I'll get to that in a second. If we go to the next slide, uh, that, what, what is the comp plan? Uh, this is, uh, many cities uh, do, thing, do something like this, which is really to look across the city's different, um, out, different systems, like housing, like infrastructure, transportation, also uh, built environment questions like historic preservation and urban design, um, as well as looking at areas of the city. And the comprehensive plan divided the city into uh, 10 different areas. Uh, these were divine, divided up in 2006. Um, and they might look like wards. Uh, they're, they, they're very similar to our wards, but they're a little bit different. Uh, for a few reasons. Number one is they were grouped together uh, more based on the issues that these neighborhoods would face. 
uh, rather than for political reasons. But more importantly, uh, they, were, they were created because we know that wards change every 10 years uh, after the census, which is a reminder that everybody should complete the census uh, at, at census2020.gov. Uh, uh, and, and our wards will be changing next year. Um, and so in order to allow us to plan for, for the long term, uh, this is a long-term document for us to think 20 or 25 years in the future, we really need um, boundaries that, 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 that don't change. Um, one thing that I think many businesses are particularly interested in, in addition to those area elements, uh, are really uh, these, the, the maps that come with the, that are, are submitted along with the comprehensive plan. One is called the generalized policy map. Uh, this outlines um, different parts of the cities, different types of um, corridors, like retail corridors or um, neighborhood corridors, uh, also employment centers. Uh, but something that we've done, a few things we've done new in the proposal is uh, mo probably most importantly outlined uh, the boundaries of uh, Douglas Commonwealth, uh, the, the future 51st state. Uh, but we've also included areas of resilience planning focus and of planning focus. Um, and these uh, include, for example, areas like uh, Congress Heights in Ward 8, uh, areas that, that uh, Mustafa is thinking about, um, as well as uh, critical questions around um, uh, our floodplains. Um, so why this is important uh, for many businesses is the future land use map shows what can, it, it really guides zoning. While zoning is, um, is independent, of, of the district, of, of the mayor or of the council, it has to be in line with the comprehensive plan and with this future land use map. And so uh, it, it helps say what can go where or really what can't go where. And is a really uh, critical component of how we expect to achieve our goals, whether it's around housing production and affordable housing or around um, recovery and economic development. Uh, so it's, there, there are a number of critical updates there, in fact, uh, we found that we, we, we've only changed about 6% of the land, uh, of the designations, but we, we think that it will achieve about 15% uh, more capacity, especially for housing in the city. In the updates, I've, I've already uh, mentioned a few of these already, but it, it's worth noting that the major updates, the major ways that we're trying to bring this up into the uh, 2020s uh, is through, uh, I would say, four themes. Uh, or five themes, I'm sorry, four of which uh, we've discussed with the public when we did our public review uh, in the fall and one of which we've added since then. Um, so I've mentioned housing. Housing is critical. Housing stability, housing preservation, um, the production of housing and equitable housing opportunities across the city are all built into this comprehensive plan update. Um, what we know is our, the vibrance of our city uh, and, the, and, and, and the future of our city depends on our residents being able to live here. And as importantly, what the comp plan uh, anticipates is not only us, but our children and grandchildren have an opportunity to live in this city and call, call it home. Um, another important element is equity and racial justice. Uh, this is everything from thinking about housing equity, as I mentioned, to a whole new element, a whole new section around uh, health equity that we added actually before, but I think is even more important today, um, and thinking about equity and access across the city. Um, and, and we also talk about resilience, obviously making sure that we can uh, address shocks and stressors, including things like uh, COVID-19, um, and, and public resources helping align um, our investments in resources to make sure that they're serving our residents in the long run and they're aligned with where our city is going. 
So those were the four that we talked about in the fall with many stakeholders, including uh, those we'll be hearing from in a minute. But what we've added since then, uh, what has been new and what we didn't anticipate, uh, is, is a section about COVID-19 and recovery. When we reviewed the comp plan, um, as, the, as COVID was happening in, in, the, in February and March, and we were preparing to submit it to council, we found that for the most part, it really does address uh, the questions of COVID. It's meant to be long-term. It's meant to think beyond any particular issue or problem, and it's meant to help us address any, all, the, all issues and problems, no matter the ones that we cannot see. So we think uh, there was a, a lot of language in there already about being resilient, about how we can make sure that we continue to grow and, 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 and have uh, our set to recover. But we did do a few things. Um, we changed the language around um, disasters, which have been most, mostly focused on natural disasters and emergencies like that. We broadened it to include things like public health emergencies. Um, and, and we also added uh, a couple of policies and actions around monitoring and, and tracking uh, this, this particular uh, COVID-19 situation. We know that this is unprecedented. We don't know how it will end, um, but working through with DIRT, for example, working through that uh, will be critical um, to make sure that we are able to proactively um, uh, move forward and, and buttress our businesses and support our residents through this um, and, 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 and build back stronger. Um, so I think uh, that is why we, you might have asked, why are we hearing about the comp plan uh, during a DIRT call? I think this, what, what I would say is the comprehensive plan is critical for recovery because it will set uh, the long-term vision for where we want to go as a city, as communities, as neighbors, as stakeholders, um, that can help us align our policies, our investments, our programs uh, into the long-term future. Um, so uh, the, uh, where it is today, where is the comp plan? Um, as I mentioned, we started uh, almost five years ago uh, uh, with town halls, with engagement. We've heard from over 10,000 uh, stakeholders, including um, many of you, hopefully, who are on the line in that time, whether it was through our open call to make amendments, whether it was through uh, our, our, our campaign about values and themes, whether it was through our public review this fall, um, which, which really prioritized hearing from ANCs. Um, we've heard from you uh, that, that your input has really helped shape this to make it a community document um, that I think uh, we can all be proud of. And uh, it's something that we submitted to council in the fall. Um, one thing to note, you may have heard about the comp plan before in terms of the framework element, which is the first chapter that really sets up the frame. Uh, it helps define some of the terms, helps talk about high level what we're trying to achieve. That was passed by council last fall. Um, so what we're talking about is the remaining elements uh, and, and maps. Uh, that 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 we uh, are, that are at council and that we hope uh, that we expect to have a pass uh, in this year. Um, so uh, it's in council review. Uh, we're hoping uh, we've heard that there will be a hearing in the fall from the council, um, but we're hoping uh, to to uh, we're excited to have that hearing. That'll be an opportunity uh, for stakeholders, including you, uh, to weigh in uh, if you want. Uh, and then um, hopefully council will be able to move on it before the end of the calendar year. And then is the, is the fun part, um, which is actually implementing the plan, which is doing the community-based planning efforts, which is reviewing it in terms of, or helping it inform the, um, the budget, which is doing the, the work, um, the dirt work, the monitoring work of actually um, of, of, of making it happen. So uh, that is the timeline and, and where we're going. So 
with that, uh, I'd like to turn it over uh, to our Deputy Director, Anita Kozart, who can share a little bit more about the nexus between the comp plan uh, and businesses. Uh, thank you, Andrew, and uh, good afternoon, Andrew, and good afternoon, Colleen and Mustafa, and to folks who are listening. Uh, I'm excited to tell you that there are several parts of the comp plan that really have guidance that's related to the business sector and neighborhood commercial activity, and some of them you will see um, on, on the slide that's here. Uh, these include um, the economic development chapter as well as area elements inside the comp plan. And then for some businesses, uh, chapters like land use, uh, urban design, housing, as well as the community services and facilities element may also have uh, some relevance to you. I'm going to highlight uh, just a couple of examples. There are many, many uh, in our uh, comp plan proposal. Uh, but in particular, I'm going to highlight some that are related to businesses that are struggling in this pandemic. So we know that technology and globalization and capital access, among other factors, are some trends that are really challenging many small and local businesses, especially those owned by people of color. And that pandemic has magnified those challenges for our district businesses. So the comp plan proposal includes guidance about the delivery of resources to support the retail environment. One comp plan action that I want to highlight is to create a neighborhood commercial district toolkit that businesses can use to navigate the changing markets, to leverage public use and public space assets, to build market strength, and to implement creative placemaking and temporary uses. In addition, there are policies to expand opportunities for small and local businesses to use public space for well-designed sidewalk cafes uh, and temporary markets for vending. And continuing to the next, to the next slide, there's, there's additional policies I want to share. Uh, we know that locally owned grocery stores and food hubs are really important aspects of a strong economy and contribute to healthy living for district residents, especially households that are food insecure. And we know food insecurity is another issue made more difficult for our residents during the pandemic. The Community Services and Facilities chapter of the comp plan includes policies and actions to expand local food availability and grocery retail. And lastly, we know that our diverse and complex business sector needs a range of tools and resources, especially in communities where business growth has been stagnant for a long time. The land use chapter of the comp plan pr proposal provides guidance for targeting housing and community development resources to catalyze economic growth, particularly in communities with high unemployment and, po and poverty rates. So those were just a handful of examples, uh, given our time. And there are many other policies and actions that are developed to support the business sector. And so, sector. And so I really encourage you to take a look uh, at the comp plan proposal to learn more. You can find it on uh, the website plandc.dc.gov. And uh, there are many ways to, to access some of those resources. And it's also important to note, as Andrew shared, in April 2020, the D.C. Council began the process to adopt the 
comp plan. The next steps include public hearings and a council vote, and the best outcome would be to complete that process by the end of 2020. So we encourage you to get involved in that process, get familiar with the comp plan, and be in touch with your council members about moving forward with public hearings and a council vote on that schedule. So there's more that we can share in our questions and answers, but definitely want to have a chance for our guest speakers to share a little bit. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Um, I want to remind everybody uh, on the phone line uh, that our phone lines are open. Uh, if you have a question, uh, please uh, press zero to be placed in the queue, uh, and you can uh, ask a question of, of any of us here uh, right now. So uh, with that, uh, I'd like to uh, introduce uh, Colleen Hawkinson, who is uh, the head of the uh, DuPont Circle uh, Business Improvement District. Uh, Colleen, we have uh, most recently been working together on um, questions of public space, streeteries, and the DuPont Circle bid, uh, but obviously your work uh, goes much further than that, um, and thinking long-term, uh, you know, is, 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 is really involved with um, the neighborhood uh, commercial district that you have. Um, so I'm very, we're interested to hear from you about your work uh, and about um, your efforts and, and how the comp plan um, can support what you're doing. Great, thank you for that. And I, for one, am very excited to learn more about the commercial district toolkit that Anita had brought up. Um, I just want to thank um, Mayor Bowser and DIMPED Director Falchicchio, as well as Planning Director Trueblood for inviting me to speak today. Um, given the long-range timeline and the expansive topics covered by the comprehensive plan, sometimes it's difficult to think about how, how it affects us on a day-to-day -day basis. But at its core, the comprehensive plan guides the issues that affect how each and every one of us experience Washington, D.C. And then it's these experiences that provide incentives for people living in D.C. to stay, for others to move to D.C., and still for others to work and play here. So the comprehensive plan is an important guide for a diverse business environment. The strategies in the, develop, in the um, document, such as repurposing public space, have already proven to be an effective tool. Um, perhaps one of the most well-known and popular examples of repurposed public space is the DuPont Circle Farmers Market. This is the largest farmers market in the city, and it has been operational since 1997. Um, once COVID began, the farmers market worked with partners, including the city, to um, re-establish their operations to ensure for a safe um, and maintaining a convenient way to get fresh foods. Um, and then more recently, phase one of reopening presented an opportunity for the city, bids, and individual businesses to rethink their operations. Guidelines that balance the need for reopening businesses and minimizing the spread of COVID-19 allow the bid to repurpose two streets in DuPont Circle, the 1600 block of 20th Street and the 1500 block of 19th Street. Both streets currently function as an outdoor dining room. And in the two and a half months that the DuPont streeteries have been operational, restaurants have had a substantial increase in customers. This has led to the businesses rehiring employees that had been furloughed in March. Public space has been reactivated while at the same time keeping everyone safe. These streeteries have proven vital to the, to the survival of these particular businesses. 
While the word street reuse rolls nicely off the tongue, there are other initiatives pulled together by DDOT and the Office of Planning that have also been vital to businesses over the past few months. The temporary pickup and drop-off zones and expanded sidewalk space were among the first initiatives to be utilized. The allowance for existing sidewalk cafes to increase in size has tremendously helped. The day-to-day -day positive impact that these initiatives have brought to not only DuPont Circle businesses, but businesses throughout numerous commercial corridors exists because they were supported in the comp plan. Small but mighty, these initiatives continue to have major and immediate impacts on the economic resiliency of Washington, D.C.'s commercial neighborhoods. And we appreciate the partnership that we have developed with the city agencies in moving these forward. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Colleen. Uh, now I'd like to turn to uh, Commissioner Abdul Salam, uh, who uh, we've been working with, I know, on a number of your community uh, economic development efforts in, in Ward 8, and I'd love to hear more about your work and how uh, it intersects with, with the comprehensive plan. Uh, Commissioner, I think are you, you might be muted. Yes, sorry about that. So again, good afternoon. I'd like to um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to participate in the meeting today and thank the mayor uh, for her leadership and the work of the planning department. Uh, so we're doing some very uh, opportune things in Ward 8 that really I think is the core of what the comprehensive plan is about. Uh, even prior to uh, the epidemic that we're experiencing, um, Ward 8 had a lot of challenges, you know, really trying to position itself for the gentrification that's happening in the community. Uh, if anything, over the last six months, has just been heightened. But it also has made it very clear the importance of planning and the need for a plan. And uh, it also gives us appreciation of the, the work around the comprehensive plan that's been done by the planning department. And uh, the focus areas of that plan are right in target with what we need to do in the community. So we're, we're very excited and supportive. Uh, we're beginning to start our planning process, and it will overlap with the comprehensive plan. We anticipate you know, working with the planning department to begin to see how we can match that up. Um, the plan is going to be community-driven from the bottom up. The residents are going to be really a key part of helping to drive the plan. Um, but we can no longer program ourselves out of the situation that we're in. Uh, we need a plan that talks about both long-term and uh, short-term and long-term uh, goals that we need to uh, deal in, and issues around capacity building and sustainability are very much the core. And again, it coincides with what the comprehensive plan talks about. Um, you, know, uh, you know, racial equity is, is very much the core of it. Um, until we free up the resources that we need to really uh, support the development of Ward 8, uh, we can't go anywhere. I mean, the community itself knows the issues, knows the problems, but have never had the resources to really tackle them in a meaningful way. So we're looking for this planning process and working with the planning department to come up with a plan that not only, you know, talks about what we need to do going forward, but what are the resources that we need to, to have to do it, and how do we realign the community, particularly in light of what we know that's not working, so that we can be more effective with both the um, um, 
the human capital and our other assets that we have in the community. Um, so I'm, I'm really advocating that the, the city council uh, really get behind uh, supporting the plan. We can't continue to operate with a 2006 framework. Uh, the issues that we're facing now uh, need to be addressed in the framework that has uh, been evolved out of the uh, comprehensive plan. So um, we're very optimistic that you know, uh, with all the things, the way society's moving in general and the way D.C. is that neighborhoods are going to get the support they need to ensure that uh, current residents are not displaced and that we can make sure that everybody participates uh, with the new opportunities and the new amenities that are coming into the community. So again, I, I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to participate, and I'm looking forward to working uh, with the mayor and all the different agencies, including the plan department, uh, to make sure that Ward 8 uh, continues to evolve and, and becomes a place for both the residents, the current residents, and future residents can, can really live and enjoy. Commissioner, thank you uh, very much for that. Uh, and, and I think your comments really highlight to me, and, and I think Colleen's as well, um, you know, while the Office of Planning uh, is Put, help put this document together. Uh, we, are, we are really a caretaker of the document, and it's only as valuable as our community, our, our community stakeholders, as our business stakeholders, as our council stakeholders, as well as um, other agencies. Uh, it, it involved over 40 other plans from different agencies. D, uh, Colleen, you mentioned DDOT, but we know uh, uh, DC Health was involved, and DPW, DPR, other agencies. Uh, DHCD were all very involved in helping us make sure that it was updated. Um, but, but uh, Commissioner, to your point, um, it, it is only as successful um, as it aligns with the work that, that you are doing and it can support your work. Um, and I think one of the things that we've seen is that it provides us the opportunity to connect the work of neighborhoods and communities and bids with the bigger goals and issues of the city, whether that is uh, racial equity, as Commissioner mentioned, whether those are transportation issues or housing issues. Uh, what the comprehensive plan does is it allows us to see not only at the city level, but how, the, how we connect that to each of our neighborhoods. And I think that's a critical uh, point to make. So I just have a, a maybe a question for each, and then we'll go to the lines. For those on the lines, uh, don't forget, uh, if you have a question, please press zero to be placed in the queue, and uh, we will get to your questions. It's also worth mentioning, I know you, you might see we're having a, some technical difficulties with the, the uh, presentation uh, being shown. You can download uh, the presentation, or you will be able to, at coronavirus.dc.gov slash recovery. Uh, you can also, we'll be able to see uh, this, this uh, presentation again, or this, uh, this town hall again. Um, so, Anita, let me uh, turn to you first, uh, which uh, to ask, uh, as I think we've mentioned, the comprehensive plan is comprehensive. There's a lot. You talked about the website. But uh, tell me, uh, if I'm a, especially a business owner, but a, a resident, anyone interested, what's really the best way uh, to, to delve in, to learn more, uh, to, to, to see what this, this, this is all about? Sure, sure. And we acknowledge that it is uh, a complex and dense document because it has to be comprehensive. So um, if you're a business owner or, or interested in kind of economic resilience, economic recovery, um, as I mentioned, the economic development chapters are important, but it, 
you really want to look at the area element for your area. And so you can use um, kind of the map that was shown earlier in the presentation to navigate what planning area you're in and take a look, take a scan of that um, uh, area element. In addition, if there's certain issues that you're interested in, uh, COVID-19 recovery, we have a crosswalk that includes uh, uh, the array of policies that are um, included in the entire document that really touch on uh, those issues of uh, health recovery as well as economic um, and even social recovery as well. Uh, and then we also have similar ones around uh, equity, similar one a, a, around uh, resilience as well. Um, so those are some ways. We also have some explainers. We have a frequently asked questions uh, document. And then we have uh, us, uh, staff resources. It's true we're not uh, in our offices, but we are um, available. And if you send uh, an email to compplanupdate uh, at dc.gov, uh, that is an inbox that we're monitoring, and one of our staff can uh, really assist you uh, with some specifics that you're interested in. Um, or if you, you really are trying to find a particular issue and you can't find it, we'd be happy to help you navigate through that. Thank you, Anita. Um, Commissioner, I, I have a question uh, for you. I think you, 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 you touched on briefly um, you know, that, that COVID uh, you know, obviously has it's affected every neighborhood. Uh, we know that it has affected um, neighborhoods of color even more, businesses uh, in those neighborhoods a, a great deal. Um, and, and I don't know if you, you can speak to that if you want to, but also I'm interested to hear from you. Uh, what, are the, uh, what are the opportunities? What should we be thinking about? And maybe, you know, uh, maybe how, how, thinking about how that connects to the comp plan but, or recovery, but how, how, what are the opportunities that, that we should be thinking about, especially uh, in Ward 8, uh, and what are you thinking about in your economic, your economic uh, work? Uh, I think you're still muted, Commissioner. <laughs> it's good, at least I can see you talking. <laughs> okay, sorry again. Uh, and that's a good question. Because, again, as I mentioned, the core of the, the issues facing Ward 8, uh, as a lot of communities um, of low-income populations of, of color, is, is the lack of access to, to resources, particularly capital. And, and, the, and the importance of linking all those things that uh, connect. Uh, for example, you know, until you know, Ward 8 creates a more viable small business base, uh, we're always going to have a tremendous amount of unemployment or underemployment, uh, which maintains the poverty, and it also uh, impacts uh, things like public safety and, and just the quality of life uh, because uh, small businesses are your economic engine. And uh, the reality of Ward 8 is that 95% or at least 90% of our activities uh, from an economic development side tends to be of a nonprofit nature, uh, which does not you know, build wealth. It doesn't really... Uh, employer labor force that you uh, you know would like. Uh, so we need to create a, a more of a balance in Ward 8 around business development uh, as it relates to you know encouraging more entrepreneurship and, and making capital available and using capital as an incentive for a small business to come to like a, a place like Ward 8 um, so that we can uh, create a, a much more of a of a, a, a business uh, environment. Uh, and also looking at opportunities like St. Elizabeth and uh, the emergence of the new hospital uh, as economic engines that can drive small business development and making sure that we're linking 
uh, those business opportunities that come out of those engines back into the community for entrepreneurial um, opportunities. Uh, so I, I think uh, we, we need to begin to recognize that communities like Award 8 um, have a lot of assets that are not being tapped, and the community has not been able to uh, take advantage of. So it's really rechanging our thinking, uh, developing a different strategy that moves away from a deficit thinking and, and more asset-based thinking. And if we do that, then those opportunities, I think, will be much more available. Thank you. Um, that, that, that's very helpful, and I think helps highlight really the nexus of um, you know comp plan and, and planning efforts, recovery efforts, um, and really community-based efforts. Uh, all how, how those can all come together at this moment, uh, and really have to come together. We have to come together. Um, so, I agree. Colleen, thank you. So actually, before I go to Colleen, I'm just going to remind uh, anyone who's interested to press zero if you're on the line. Um, but uh, Colleen, so you talked about some of these temporary or kind of um, currently temporary interventions, streeteries, closing streets. Um, I'm interested in how you're thinking about the long term at, at, at DuPont Circle. What does this look like? Are there changes that you think are, are, will become permanent in some way or another? or will really change the trajectory of, of DuPont Circle? Um, it's a great question, and it's what we've started working on just, just recently. Given the success, and once we, were, um, once we had the data to back up that, yes, these were successful, the question now is, okay, um, the streeteries are approved through the public health emergency, but what does it look like if they continue even beyond once there's a new normal and once the public health emergency um, it has been stopped. Um, and so it's really taking everything into account that we've done and thinking of it less than temporary, but how to continue this momentum to make some of these um, public repurposing of public space more permanent. Um, the, also the initiative that brought a lot of groups together. So the bids working with the ANCs and, and even the main streets, um, the intensity and the, um, just the importance of it from day one pushed everything forward, and there was cooperation among all parties. And so now that we have that experience in such a dire situation, I think we'll be much easier to get things like this through on a permanent basis as we move forward. Great. Thank you. So now it looks like we have a couple of questions on the line. So I will uh, say your name, and then we will unmute you. Uh, and you can go ahead and ask your question. So we have Daniel from Ward 2. Uh, hey, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are um, you? Good, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I had a question um, mainly based around uh, parks and um, public space uh, regarding organized sports. Um, just looking to see if there was any plan um, in the comp plan plus COVID of that being able or us being able to roll that out again, as that's uh, it's a pretty large community in D.C. Um, and in Maryland and Virginia, they're, they've started it back up. So I just wanted to see if D.C. was, if we were going to be able to as well. Uh, Daniel, thank you for the question. Uh, I, I would say that uh, I know that uh, thinking about how we use our parks and open spaces in terms of reopen, 
uh, is very much uh, on the minds of uh, the agencies, Department of Parks and Rec, as well as DC Health and the Mayor, uh, and that will be that will be part of kind of the continuing efforts around reopening. Uh, and you can learn more about the guidance on what is allowed where uh, at coronavirus.dc.gov. Um, and, and I think that will be based on um, metrics of health and others as, as we move along. I will say, as it relates to the comp plan, uh, there is a section called Community Services and Facilities, which really speaks to things like rec centers, fields, our, our need for um, libraries. Uh, and and there, are, there is the contemplation of the need to make sure that we can accommodate uh, the various recreational needs of our city, uh, of our residents. Uh, and so at a high level and in the long term, that is part of, of the comprehensive plan. One thing I'll say that we, when we think about long term, uh, one thing that's proposed in the comprehensive plan is a kind of coordinated effort around planning for our fields uh, this, and, and our, our planning for our civic infrastructure, whether it is fields, whether it's rec centers, schools, um, making sure that we're aligning the needs of our city with uh, the, the, the kind of, uh, we're aligning, I'm sorry, the facilities we have with the needs of our residents. Um, and that's something that, that we're particularly excited to work to. Uh, to the commissioner's point, it actually then gets, it can help us make better decisions around infrastructure investments and capital uh, investments in the future. But as it relates to the specific guidance uh, as, as, a, as in reopening in coronavirus, uh, your best place, your best place to go is coronavirus.dc.gov. Um, Anita, do you have anything? Okay. Um, I have a question from Commissioner Douglas in Ward Seven. Commissioner Douglas, you're on. Yes, how y'all doing? I was just um, I hope the man, everybody's safe and well, and uh, um, that's my, my concern. My concern was, will we be able to um to have this information out to the commissioners? Because now that you, we have the COVID-19 and, and the lives on vacation, and plus the city council be going on vacation, so where will this uh, be available for us to have? Because we don't have access to download or, or print out all this information that, that's needed. So another concern that, I, that we're having and being which I mean, we're seven seven zero three is about to be uh, defunded of the mental project. A lot of residents weren't involved in a lot of. Uh, uh, to address these concerns and, and here indeed with as well. So what I heard you say you're going to start from the, from the ground up to make sure that it happens. But we wish you would appreciate that. And it seems like the developers have it more say so than the community. So we want to make sure that that does not happen. Thank you, uh, Commissioner, for the question. And I will turn over to Anita in one second to, to specifically uh, speak to how you can access this information and what we can provide you, especially. ANCs uh, to make sure you have what's needed. But uh, I will say that it's worth um, uh, kind of remembering or, or worth saying that our uh, open, uh, our, our not open call, our public review uh, of, the, of the kind of draft was put out in October uh, and really with a focus on hearing from ANCs. Uh, we, we, were, we, we wanted to make sure that uh, ANCs uh, were providing feedback, had the information they needed. We went to dozens of ANC meetings. This was back in the time where you could actually go to ANC meetings um, and uh, talked to commissioners, provided information, uh, and wielded uh, and received uh, numerous um, ANC resolutions, which are actually all available on plandc.dc.gov, uh, that we, we provided responses to. Um, so it is worth noting that we do want to make sure it is community-driven and ANCs were, are, were and still are a critical 
uh, stakeholder in that. But Anita, if you're uh, a community member, a business person, but especially an ANC, uh, and you're having, uh, you have trouble accessing this, what's the best uh, strategy? So uh, the best strategy would really be to uh, get in touch with us. Um, you can, uh, again, email us at compplanupdate at dc.gov. Um, if there's challenges related to email or if you'd prefer to talk with someone, you can uh, call the office 202-442-7600 and you will get routed to uh, a staff member who can assist you uh, and find out what specifically you need as it relates uh, to uh, the, the comp plan materials and resources. We have, a, uh, for those of you who have access to our website, again, plandc at dc.gov. GOV has uh, many of the most up-to-date information uh, that's outside of the legislative process, and so would encourage you all to visit there. But contact us directly, especially ANC commissioners. As Andrew mentioned, it was an ANC-centric process for our public feedback round, and we uh, expect to actually be uh, sending some uh, email correspondence to ANCs to give you an update of where things stand. Uh, very shortly, so um, we we would appreciate hearing from those uh, uh, for whom uh, there there may need to be a different way of getting to you other than uh, your email. Thank you. Um, I will remind anyone. This will be probably the last reminder that if you have a question, uh, please please do press zero uh, on the call. Or uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, so I apologize uh, to this next person who's calling in, uh, I might butcher your name, but I will try the best I can. Uh, Talibdin uh, in Ward 4, and please tell me how to pronounce your name. Uh, you're on the line. Yes, thank you. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, first of all, Director Kruvlad, I want to thank you for, for um, moderating this process. Um, the question is this, uh, with WMATA planning to introduce 55,000 square feet of commercial space at a newly designed bus barn on 14th Street, what can we do as affected commercial property owners uh, to expedite this process for our two blocks located directly across the street? Uh, we are uh, scheduled to go from MU3 to MU4 but we are at a significant disadvantage uh, because of the, um, the time loss that we've had. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not able, we're not going to be able to compete with uh, 55,000 square feet of, of new commercial space, uh, not to mention uh, the Kennedy Street redevelopment that's going on uh, less than a quarter mile from us. Uh, so thank you for the question. Um, I, I, um, I, I think I'll, I will try and answer as best I can. You know, I, to your point, uh, the comprehensive plan uh, does have an impact on individual projects, uh, but much of what we're focusing on is, is the high-level, long-term. Uh, I, I do know uh, that as it relates to uh, the bus, the bus garage uh, that you mentioned, uh, there was a planning effort, actually, a small area plan that was put together. Uh, maybe 10 years ago or so, 
uh, that did, uh, I think it was heard from the community, uh, the desire to kind of strengthen the commercial corridor along that area. Um, and there was really a direct um, uh, kind of recommendation to make sure that uh, if and when the bus barn was rebuilt, that it wasn't just another bus barn, but that there was activation uh, in a way with the idea that it could, it would actually create more commercial opportunities uh, and, and, and support uh, the businesses around it. Um, and so I think that is what you see, uh, that that effort uh, was in a small area plan. Um, as with, uh, I think there's about a dozen small area plans that we then took and incorporated into uh, the comprehensive plan update uh, so that they can be uh, official kind of law of the city, if you will. Um, and those, uh, those, recommend those uh, small area plans, both their recommendations are included in it, but also their, uh, they, they were, we updated the future land use map for it. So, um, so I think that, uh, I mean, at, at a high level, I could speak to that. Uh, Anita, I don't know if you have any, anything to add in terms of, of the, the question. The only thing I would add is that it just feels like this underscores the importance of really taking a look at your area element and seeing uh, in your neighborhood where there might be some sets of recommendations that come from a small area plan or broader citywide policy guidance as it relates to a corridor. And it also underscores the importance of, uh, again, you know, having uh, heeding to a timeline of, of uh, this uh, year being able to complete uh, the adoption process uh, for the comprehensive plan. The final thing that I'll say, uh, as the caller mentioned, a change in zoning. Obviously, um, any change in zoning uh, goes through the Zoning Commission, but we're always interested in making sure that residents weigh in on that. Um, and so, uh, insofar as there are any, you know, zoning questions, we, all, we, all, we, we compare those to the comprehensive plan, um, and we're very interested in hearing oftentimes from residents around uh, what, where those opportunities are to make sure that we align uh, with the comprehensive plan. So, uh, that's, a, that's another, another uh, thing. And then finally, I'll just mention, uh, it is WMATA. Uh, I, you know, I know that they're going through a process. I strongly encourage you to engage with them. Uh, and their process as they as they do their uh, redevelopment of, of the property. Um, so I, it looks like that is it uh, for the lines. There are no more questions. Um, maybe uh, I, I want to give our, our guests, if you have any final thoughts uh, given our discussion today, um, uh, I want to give you one, one, uh, one final opportunity to share uh, any thoughts or ideas. So uh, maybe I'll turn to Colleen. Um, thanks. No, we're just looking forward to um, working with you in the future and advancing these initiatives. It's been extremely helpful for the business community so far, particularly through this COVID. Great. Thank you. And Commissioner? Uh, well, I would like to offer that um, we take advantage of this unique opportunity to do a community-based bottom-up planning process in Ward 8. And, and really get behind it to not only serve as a model for the rest of the neighborhoods in D.C., but I think on a national level, we can create a model in, in Ward 8 that can help um, shape how other communities uh, deal with issues related to gentrification and just the changing climate that we're in now. So I'm excited about that, and I look forward to continue to work with the, uh, the mayor and um, the, the planning department and other departments to, to make this a possibility. Thank you, Commissioner. And may I add to that, uh, I'll just remind uh, everybody, uh, also working with the council, especially uh, because the, the comp plan is 
is in their hands right now uh, for review and approval. Um, and I know that they want to hear uh, the voices of the community. So uh, I, that is, if you want to know what you can do, uh, please feel free to reach out to your council member or anyone on the committee of the whole, which is any council member, uh, which is where uh, this will be considered. Um, you can learn more, uh, as we have mentioned a few times, uh, about the comp plan at plandc.dc.gov. And as always, uh, for all of the dirt work, uh, you can learn it. You can learn more at coronavirus.dc.gov/recovery. Um, so I want to thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we will be here next week with Commissioner Woods of the Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking, her team, and a few community guests to discuss the DC Business Capital or BizCap program that provides capital to District of Columbia small businesses and entrepreneurs through three programs that provides alternatives to traditional commercial financing to the, to the commissioner's point, so you might want to join, uh, to facilitate private lending and investments to district small businesses. Uh, so that will be uh, quite a good uh, discussion. Uh, also, it's worth noting uh, for those who are diehard weekly uh, subscribers, uh, we will be taking a break on the weeks of September 1st and 8th. Uh, so after next week, uh, we will then be seeing you uh, the middle of September. Uh, more information about this town hall will be posted, as I mentioned, at coronavirus.dc.gov slash recovery. Hope you all have a safe, safe, healthy, and socially distanced weekend, and remember to mask up. Thank you. Thank you.